steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, there's no Vikings game this week, so we had to kind of uh, resituate our game plan for this week. Generally, of course, we do a preview show, but uh, without the Vikings playing, they're on bye. Uh, we are we're going to do a little something a little bit different. So uh, today we'll start with uh, some Timberwolves stuff. And basically what that means is that I'm going to facilitate a conversation about the Wolves and Drew is going to give you some analysis. Uh, obviously, they're looking a lot better than I think most people thought um, coming off of a couple of pretty nice wins despite Andrew Wiggins being outside the lineup. Um, we'll also talk about the Gophers uh, coming off a loss against Iowa. Uh, are they still fun to watch? Uh, I tend to think so, so we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, – and go into some detail about the two matchups upcoming for them against Northwestern and Wisconsin. Um, and then for our Vikings talk this week, what we'll do is we're going to talk about the games that you should be watching as a Vikings fan. Um, we'll look at a few different matchups. Um, obviously, there's a, one very glaring one between Green Bay mm-hmm. and San Francisco, uh, but we'll look into a couple others that um, you should be watching. Not, I guess not just as a Vikings fan, but uh, as a football fan that gets a, a week off from your team, and then we'll finish up with our picks. So uh, that is the game plan for today's show. Uh, let's hop right into it, uh, starting off with some Timberwolves discussion. Uh, so like I said during the, the intro here, uh, I think that the Wolves are outplaying what most people thought they would be doing at this point in the season. Uh, you know, they just came off of a very, very nice win against the Jazz. Uh, I think most, at least my buddy, who I consider to be, you know, my my reference for, for basketball more often than not, uh, thought that that was a pretty, uh, pretty crazy win considering kind of the differential in opinion on these two teams. Uh, and they're... I mean, they're looking nice just in general. They're in the playoffs right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, The first time we talked about the Wolves on this show, uh, the question that I asked Drew was, do you think that this team is a playoff team? And both of us were, you know, we were happy with the fast start, but I don't, neither of us were too confident that they would be a legitimate playoff team. But I'm starting to get a kind of a sense that they, we might be looking at uh, kind of what the twins situation where you, they're playing pretty well. You're not really buying it yet because there hasn't been enough games played, but they're certainly heading in the right direction. Right. And I think that's the big thing is, uh, you know, that they're, I think the process is improving and I think it's slowly starting to show in the results. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've harped a lot about, uh, you know, taking those mid range shots, right? Like they, I hated that with Wiggins in the past. I hated that with Derek Rose, even though it sometimes would work out for him last year. Um, but like, so I saw the stat. This is Charlie Johnson tweeted this. He uh, does good work for the zone coverage covering the Wolves. He said, when Carl Anthony Towns and Robert Covington share the floor, 41% of the Wolves' shots are coming at the rim, which is in the 93rd percentile, and 40.6% of their shots are coming from three-point land, which is in the 88th percentile. Meanwhile, 18.3% of their shots are coming from mid-range, which is in the first percentile. So they're it, they're really modernizing the offense. Ryan Saunders says change of philosophy it's all about threes and shots in the paint which is you know and again look i mean looking at the numbers here 
they are shooting 31% from three, which is 28th in the league. Yep. That so, was my next question for you. Was... Yeah, so they're not good at shooting threes, but it's still it, it's showing that it still uh, pays off to shoot a lot of threes, whether you're right. good or bad at it. it you know, because the value of a three uh, at that percentage is better than shooting an average uh, clip from, you know, mid-range. So it appear you know it appears as if ryan sanders has found that out and he's starting to implement that and uh now really the next step for the wolves as a team is you know the next year two years whatever it is as long as you have wiggins and towns playing at this level just to get some shooters yeah uh that was yeah that was kind of my question that i wanted to talk to you about uh so we've seen this kind of drastic shift from uh from last year where a team that was like you said, shooting a lot of mid-range shots, uh, low percentage shots, if you will, um, a lot of shots that you, I think that we saw Kobe Bryant take throughout his career that would go in yep. for him, but not necessarily for a guy who isn't of his talent level. And you have guys like you know Andrew Wiggins who was had who obviously struggled with that, and we've seen kind of peak performance out of him uh, throughout the eleven games that he's been in uh, this season. He's looking like a legitimate All Star. But the kind of the question here is, you know, if this is a team. That, that can't shoot threes effectively. You said they're 28th in the league. That certainly qualifies as ineffective relative to the rest of the NBA. And you don't really have any spot-up shooters that can, you know, that, that can consistently drain threes. I mean, in my opinion, Carl Anthony Towns is top two on this team on shooting threes right now. He's terms, the best. Yeah, I, I mean, he's the guy that I trust the most. Um, and I think I saw, um, I think it was Jim Pete or Dave Benz, one of them during, um, during the game, one of the, the last couple of games, they they straight up said that you know this team isn't a good three pointing three point shooting team, but they're still getting more effective results and they're slowly becoming a better three pointing shooting team simply by shooting more threes. You're getting yeah you know naturally more of them are starting to go in. Yeah, I mean this is how James Harden scores. Yeah. I mean that's how he puts up 45 points. He'll shoot 22 threes. You know maybe eight of them will go in right. Uh, and then he'll put up, you know, 15 for 17 from the free throw line. And right there, you're looking at 40 something points, you know. So that's that's kind of the, the the model now of scoring points in bunches. You know, that's how Steph Curry did it. Um, it's just launching threes. And if you get hot, that uh, obviously that works your advantage. But even taking threes and then having that threat from outside just opens up the paint a lot more as well so and carl anthony towns put up seven threes against uh the jazz the other night on 15 and, shots which is right. ridiculous for a guy his size yeah well he's we, we we've know by now that he the things he can do with his uh whether it's ball handling uh shooting whatever it is it's not like a normal seven foot basketball player mm-hmm. and uh I, th- I believe now in total threes made he's in the top five this year in the nba like overall uh, i think james harden's at something like 68 and then there's a bunch of guys that are bunched that are about 45 to 48 or something and cats right in there so that's that's i mean in, in some ways having your your big guy lead your team in threes isn't great but i mean he's obviously a generational talent and guys like layman guys like roco um uh, you know they're figuring it out and they're improving and then wiggins obviously too is at 36 percent this year which is to the highest clip he's had in his career i believe so uh it you you love to see Towns and Wiggins being the cornerstones of the franchise. And then the next step, I think now, again, is just offensively anyway, is just finding shooters to uh, complement those guys. And once they do, I think this offense, which, by the way, is already putting up, I think, top five in points per game. Mm-hmm. 
that would lift them to another level. Yeah, it, it makes sense statistically, right? You know, if you if you, you would, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound right in your head. But if you shoot thirty five percent from three, that's still better at sh- than shooting fifty percent from two. Yeah. Which is, it doesn't, it kind of like, you have to think about it, you have to do some mental math to, for that to make sense, but ultimately you're going to come out with more points. So it makes sense to have this transition. Uh, it's just, it, it's kind of crazy to see how drastically this has shifted despite not really making any significant changes. You know what I mean? You've still got, you've still got Jeff Teague running the floor. You've still got Towns down low. You've actually been missing Wiggins for probably a larger percentage of this season's games than all of last year's percentage of games. Um, Covington's back, so I guess that that certainly helps. And you're giving minutes to um, a couple guys that you know didn't uh, that weren't on the floor much or at all last season in Layman and Culver. Uh, but this team isn't that much different. It's just simply a different philosophy. So how 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 in your opinion do you think the Wolves were able to make this shift so dramatically and make it? It's it's so obvious the difference between Saunders. And tips. It's just it's it's blatantly yeah. obvious. Yeah. Like what di- what is the what is the schematic difference here that we're seeing? Well, I think now, I, I think it's important to note that last year when Saunders took over, it was midseason, right? And I think he kind of waited to uh, a for him to officially become the head coach to kind of implement completely what he wanted, you know, his philosophy and his um, his strategies. But also, I think Tibbs is just so far on the other side of the spectrum that. Uh, it does make it pretty glaringly obvious when you get a modern coach who is thinking like Mike D'Antoni or thinking like the Houston Rockets, uh, it, it shows that much more. Uh, especially, too, I think, again, Jimmy Butler's not a bad player. He's a, he's a star. He's a stud, right? He's got as much talent as anybody, um, and he's got especially that that, ad, that gritty attitude that you want as well. But he does have that uh, that he takes those shots as well, right, those mid-range shots too. You get him out of there. You get Derrick Rose out of there, um, and all of a sudden things open up, and you get role players that are very much okay with just sitting at the three-point line taking shots. You get Roko healthy, who uh, is he knows his role is defense primarily, and then spot-up threes. You know uh, Josh Okogie, defensive player primarily, but he's there to attack the lane and then hit open three if he can. So I think between the personnel changes and then the fact that Tibbs and Saunders are just so different already. Uh, I think that's where you're noticing the, the drastic difference. Okay. So here's my next thought. So we know, we obviously know who Carl Anthony Townsend, he towns is. He's been this guy for the last few seasons. We, it, we kind of see small points of his games improving throughout his career. I still think that he's on the up and up and he could still become an even better player yeah. because there's room to grow with his defense. But basically we know who Carl Anthony towns is. He's the centerpiece of this team. He's the franchise. Andrew Wiggins is starting to show uh, that he's the guy that the, that Cleveland took number one overall. And obviously the wolves coveted and traded for, he looks like that guy. He looks like an all-star. I don't know if this is sustainable. Part of that is my lack of back basketball knowledge, and part of that is just because I've seen what Andrew Wiggins right. can be if he's not playing his game. But he looks very good. So you've got two very solid pieces. My ne- my question there is, so of the rest of this group, you've got Jeff Teague, who is probably overpaid, right? Uh, you've got Covington, who, like you said, is more of a defensive stud, not really much of an offensive scorer. You've got Lehman, who has been solid in streaks. 
You've got the rookie Culver, who has looked very, very good in streaks, and his athleticism is very clear. And then you've got Okogi, who is giving you some of the you know highest energy minutes off the bench of any player in the entire NBA. But who is the guy other than Towns and Wiggins that can make this team into a true playoff threat? You know, generally speaking, you like to see three guys to, yeah, in order to make right. it a you know a complete roster. Who is the guy that steps up here, or is he not on this team yet? Well, I mean, if you're going to pick somebody on the team, as far as you know, if you're taking offense, I think it's Teague. Uh, he's filled it up before. He has all kinds of playoff experience compared to these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but defensively, Roko just being there has been a huge help too. Because uh, last year he missed almost all the season. And it's not like the Wolves are dominant defensively or anything. But uh, just having him, his presence there where he he's that defensive leader, he can play or defend, you know, really three or four different positions. Uh, and then plus, I think from there... I think you're going to wait for Okogie and and uh, Culver to develop into. Uh, I think they both have that sort of same kind of. They're both defensive minded. They'll they'll uh, uh, they'll try to guard you know their number one player for example. They have that attitude, and then if one of them can develop into uh, a consistent offensive scorer, someone that can shoot from outside as well. Both of them are under thirty percent from three this year. Uh, so if one of them can develop into like a consistent average three-point shooter, that could be a huge help as well. So obviously if, if playoff time comes and the Wolves are still in it, I think you're going to want for this season Teague to really step up and be that third scorer. Uh, real code defensively, staying healthy will be huge. And then if you can get that X-factor type of six-man uh, play from Okogi and Culver uh, off the bench, that'd be good. So the two guys that I kind of have my eye on are the two that you were just speaking of, and that's Okogi and Culver. Um, specifically Culver for me, and I think that's uh, – I don't know what it is that I like about Culver, but when I was watching him at Texas Tech last year, I mean, I'm a much bigger college basketball guy than an NBA guy. I just kind of fell in love with his game, and obviously he's you know a physical masterpiece. Uh, he's, ath- he's as athletic as they come. The skills need some fine-tuning. He- he's certainly not entering the league as refined as, you know, even like, you know – some of like a lot of guys come into the league. I suppose I don't have a great example for you off the top of my head, but um, he's there's room to grow there. Do you see him as a legitimate guy, like a legitimate star potential player, or is he going to be you know someone who starts consistently for you know eight to ten years in the NBA, um, or is this a guy that can kind of take a a Kawhi Leonard type leap, you know, where you're very solid for three, four years to start your career. Again, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Kawhi Leonard, but I'm speaking well, more of the career arc that see, Kawhi Leonard. The arc had. that, yeah, I think the arc that Kawhi ended up enjoying and has is currently enjoying. I think a lot of it is just due to playing for the Spurs to begin his career. Yeah, uh, that was a huge because his attitude and his uh, mindset, his skill set, it all fits so perfectly with the Spurs. And so I think that helped him kind of, you know, they were on, he was on a good team, uh, gained a lot of attention just by playing in the finals. And from there, you know, he gained the re- enough respect around the league and around his teammates to have a bigger role offensively. And then from there, he kind of refined his skills on that side of the ball. So, I mean, if, if he were to turn into a star, uh, Culver, that's kind of the route I think he would go. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems kind of like that personally. He doesn't really talk all that much. He's not right, a, he's not a right. big personality. That's right. So, I, I mean, it's, obviously, it's I'm not going to project that much of a of a star uh, potential, but he has I, he definitely has like starter, you know, career long starting potential where he could be a role player, uh, kind of like Roko, um, where he's just 
steady defensively, um, can, will contribute offensively, but he won't be your first or second featured guy. All right, I've got two more questions for you, and then we'll roll into the Gophers. Um, Jamal Crawford yesterday. Um, obviously, he played a couple games with the Wolves in the past. Yeah. Um, yesterday, he came out and basically said, someone asked him, you know, why haven't you been signed? And he was like, I don't know. You know, I think I still have the skills to compete. Um, I Everything I've seen of Jamal Crawford ever has been positive. You know, great great mentor, good guy in the locker room, smart player. Um, his defense is suspect, obviously, and that's probably what's holding it back, to be honest. Uh, but he can still spot up and shoot. So for a team so, that yeah. has Carl Anthony Towns as their best three-point shooter, does Jamal Crawford not make sense for this lineup, especially if they're going to con- try to compete for a playoff spot? So the problem I have with, with him is the same one I have with like Derrick Rose and I guess you could say Carmelo too, where these guys love to pull up from mid-range <laughs> and take those you know, 16 to 18 contested, foot contested shots. Um, and, you know, Crawford once in four games will get hot and it'll be really fun to watch and it'll be really effective and be a net positive for the team. But uh, overall, I'd rather have somebody that plays a little bit better defense and uh, will kind of space the floor better versus getting the ball and immediately dribbling into the lane and creating, uh, you know, a 15 foot tough jump shot instead over a defender. And again, uh, that's obviously. Carmelo, Derrick Rose, Jamal Crawford, three of the, uh, in their primes, the best scorers really in the game. Uh, but at this, it, it's just, it's a different era now where the scoring the basketball isn't as much about getting in the lane and putting up mid-range shots as it was for Kobe, MJ, uh, those guys, uh, Crawford, Carmelo. Now it's about how many threes can you shoot? How, how many threes can you make? Uh, and then how many fouls can you draw in the lane? Really? That's if you watch James Harden, that's all he does. He'll yep. take maybe one or two shots from outside the paint that are still twos in the game. The rest of them are threes or they're in the paint. So I, I from that perspective, Crawford hasn't been, to me, hasn't impressed me in finishing the lane. His three-point shooting has been fine, but I think he just has the tendency to get in, get into that um, contested two-point range quite a bit. So trying to find that third piece, right? Uh, I think that the obvious name that still remains out there is D'Angelo Russell, and that's because... He's playing for a Golden State team that is, you know, completely destroyed by injuries. They're they're gonna they're probably gonna lose the most games in the NBA this year. It seems like, and they end up getting you know a top three ish pick. It seems like they're gonna have at least, they're gonna have the balls to get there at least. And I'm talking about lottery balls, of course. <laughs> um, so, D'Angelo Russell, I feel like is still. I have seen reports. I don't know how accurate they are, but it seems like yeah. the Wolves are still sniffing around D'Angelo Russell. Do you think? that it's legitimate that the, that the Wolves would go after him because the only reason that he didn't want to come to Minnesota in the first place was the weather, which I feel like is something that you can negotiate around. Um, get this guy in, you know, a sauna or something like that. <laughs> I feel like there's something you can do, and he would simply he would fit so well with this team, yeah. and he would complete a big three of three guys that legitimately like each other, which is very helpful considering what happened with Jimmy Butler. Um and he could be he could be a franchise cornerstone because he's a bit, is he not the same age as Towns? Yeah, um, that was the same draft class. Yeah, so for he's the, he'd be a franchise cornerstone for ten ish more years. Yeah, I. Is it I'm, real? Is it possible? Ve- I think it's very real and very intriguing. Uh, a trade would obviously you'd have to give up Rocco, I think, because his contract is a bargain right now. Uh, probably a pick, probably multiple picks, really. Um, but at the same time, if you do get Russell, that's the that's a big three potential, like a legitimate big three potential, especially with the way Wiggins is playing now, uh, that, you know, 
the last decade now really has been in the NBA is about okay, what big three can you put together on right, your team? Right. And so we've never had one of those really. We had right, a fake one with right. Jimmy Butler, but yeah, I mean that lasted for a year and a half. They made the playoffs once. Wiggins was it was kind of like it was basically a two big two and a half with the way he was playing. <laughs> right. So this would I think give the Wolves a legitimate big three and. I mean, now the difference now with the NBA is it's like a big. There's everybody's got a big two, right? Lakers have Davis and LeBron. Clippers have uh, uh, Kawhi and Paul George. You know, Rockets have Russ and James Harden. Uh, you go around the league, and that it's just the big two: Ben Simmons and, and Embiid with Philly. And then I, the Wolves now have like a kind of a lesser tier, I would say, at this point. Right. Two with Wiggins because you can't really trust Wiggins all the way yet, right? Yeah, at least I can't. If, if he keeps playing at this level, then that's a legitimate big two. Yeah, but I think adding Russell would give him a big three that could contend. Uh, if you get you know, if the pieces around the role players perform to that level, that'd be a team that could uh, contend in the playoffs and uh, maybe win a series. See, that's uh, it's interesting because the kind of the, the, the questionable report that I saw, I don't, it wasn't from anyone. Super. It wasn't basically. It wasn't from Adrian Wojnarowski, so it doesn't count. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And th- that I saw was that Rocco would be involved in that trade, and that I, I think that would be a tough pill to swallow given what he brings yeah. personally. You'd be, you'd be asking your team to win games 130 to 120. Yeah, because, because you're giving up you're your best defensive anybody. player. You're right. not stopping anybody, and they don't stop anybody anyway. But you have to. You have to put up a lot of points to win games. That's certainly an inter- interesting conversation, and something that you know as. I consider you my, a lot of tickets that way too. You're yeah. putting up that many points. Yeah, that's a lot of offense. And you don't need to worry as much about having to find a way to get that that last asset to really to truly contend in the Western Conference. Because let's be real here, I'll ask you this um, once again here um, after what 14 games now. Uh, I is this is this is this a playoff team? And then secondly, if you do believe it's a playoff team, is this a team that can win a that can win a series in the playoffs? Uh. I can say at this point I'll say yes because I think looking around the West, uh, it seems like the there's there's a, a now this is again very early uh, mm-hmm. so maybe this is a moot point but uh, it seems like there's a gap forming a little bit between sort of the kind of seven to eight seeds and then the rest of the the conference. Uh, now again it's, it's early but also if they were to get in I'm not I don't see them beating the Lakers, the Rockets, the Nuggets, Clippers, any of those teams in a series. So, uh, it'd be one of those where they might win a game or two uh in the series, but they're not they're not going to advance in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's certainly where I'm at as well. I th- I think that they need to find that 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 another they need to find one more centerpiece and I'm hopeful that Culver can become that guy. Uh I again, that's coming yeah. from a guy who considers himself to be a fair weather basketball fan, not just a Wolves fan, but just basketball in general. So don't take that too seriously. But I am I am hopeful that he could be that guy just because of he does have all the gifts, right? If he can become a great shooter, you know, all of a sudden he's looking a lot different. Yeah. But I mean, I'm excited about a lineup that would be like, you know, this is again hypothetical with the Russell trade happened, but like a small ball ish lineup where you have actually some defense on the court, Russell Okoki. Culver, Wiggins, and Towns, you know, mm-hmm. space the floor a lot, and uh, you got some shooting out there. Russell and Towns, slashers and Wiggins and, and Okogie, then some defense there with those two young guys. That'd be kind of fun to watch. Uh, but again, that's that's I'm, I'm thinking if I'm thinking if any trade would happen, it'd be at the a at the trade line or trade deadline or b uh, next off season. All right. So from there, let's um, 
let's transition into football here, starting with the Gophers. Um, obviously, the the Gophers are coming off of uh, a heartbreaking loss down in Iowa. I think a lot of us sort of saw it coming. A lot of us were um, not. Maybe they didn't. See, you didn't see it coming, but it, it, it kind of. Maybe you were being a little bit too optimistic about this Wolf season, or excuse me, this Gopher season. Um, and you're looking at you're looking at it you're looking at a team now that still has that is still in position to win a lot of football you know two more big football games potentially compete as the Big Ten champion from the West and go to and play against Ohio State you're still contending for the Rose Bowl so in my wildest dreams again as not as someone who is not a Gophers fan but certainly roots for all Minnesota sports teams at all times. In my wildest dreams, I could not have expected that any of this would ever happen. So that lo- that loss against Iowa, do you see that as a devastating loss? Because I never, I don't really, I don't really see it that way. Because I never expected this team to be a legitimate contender for the college football playoff, anyways. No, because here's what was ha- here was the the best case scenario. Really, was they beat Iowa, they beat Northwestern, they beat Wisconsin, and then they get, sh- they get to play Ohio State shelled. and they beat get beat by twenty five. Um, and then they end up, I don't even know what bowl game they would play. Was it be the, would, it, would they play in the Rose Bowl? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It'd be the Rose Bowl. Um, which is still possible at this point, isn't it? Well, if Ohio, so if they play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, obviously uh, Ohio State's probably going to roll them. I don't see, I mean, I don't see any possibility of the Gophers beating Ohio State. That's just my opinion. You know, uh, I don't, I just don't see it that way. So if they lose Ohio and they win, and they win, Ohio State is expected to win out. They're going to win against the uh, against the Gophers, the Big Ten championship. They will be in the college football playoff, which would open up a slot for their, the Gophers to make the Rose Bowl. So basically, in order to get to the Rose Bowl at this point, they need to win out. They, the only, well, they well win out to, until the Gophers game or yeah. the, the Big Ten championship. Sure, uh, I think that they theoretically could lose to Northwestern and still be a Rose Bowl team, it would not – It would, like, that would be a dev- devastating loss to lose to a Northwestern team that, uh, by all accounts, is very inferior compared to the team that the Gophers are fielding right now. But the one game that they need to win, no matter what, absolutely, is against Wisconsin if they have – if they want to have any hope of making that Big Ten championship and then making the Rose Bowl. So, looking ahead here, you've got Northwestern, who, like I just said, is not – I, I fully expect the Gophers to go in there and get a you know get a decisive W. So I I'm doing the wrong thing if I was a coach, but fortunately I'm just a fan, so I don't I can I can look ahead, and I'm already thinking about the Wisconsin game. This is a team that's going to come at you with a subpar quarterback and Jonathan Taylor. So if the if the Gophers are able to slow down that running game, I I don't see any w- reason why the Gophers can't pull out a big victory against Wisconsin too, especially because this Gophers team over the last few weeks against quality opponents has sort of transitioned away from being a primary, a run first team to allowing uh, the quarterback to just air it out. You know, you've got two different wide receivers that are in the, you know, in the early round conversation for the NFL draft, which uh, if I if I, if I told you two years ago, that the Gophers would have wide receivers going in the top 50 in the NFL draft, I would have laughed. I mean, you should have laughed in my face, you know? Like, that's just, that's, that's crazy to me. So you've got these two great wide receivers. you got a, you got a third guy, um, an Ottman Bell, that's also very solid and can give you, you know, after the catch potential and also go up and get it as well. I, I truly think that the that the Gophers are going to enter this 
uh, this Wisconsin game as not only a favorite, but it would be not just from an emotional standpoint as someone who's from Minnesota, but also from just from a football standpoint, it would be it would be devastating to lose to Wisconsin given all that they have accomplished this year. That to right. me is a much more devastating loss than the one against Iowa. Oh yeah, absolutely. The rivalry aspect, uh, you know, the axe. The there fact is that quietly they... a rivalry with Iowa, though. That's why I say there is. is. I know, but it, I think I, I think it's you know pretty clear that the one with Wisconsin, it's right it's on a broader axe. scale, means a little bit more. Uh, Minnesota just got the axe back a little bit unexpectedly. Many right. would say uh, last year. So, and they're going to be playing that one at home, I believe, at uh, at TCF yep. Bank. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's one. Yeah, I mean. I don't even at this point the, the like you said the Northwestern game result while it, they should just steamroll them mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a lot of it's not going to it's not going it. to impact whether or not they get to the Big Ten right. championship yeah. because there's not a lot of consequences to it because you got to beat Wisconsin anyway mm-hmm. so th- theoretically the way that this this way that this pans out so if North if the Gophers end up losing to Northwestern which again I do not expect that to happen but if they do season's certainly not over because they would enter into the Wisconsin game with a back one game from Wisconsin uh, in the division. So they could still beat Wisconsin and then win by tiebreaker to enter into the Big Ten Championship. So that's what when I say that the Northwestern game doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, it does for, you know, for those of you out there that want to see this team finish as a top 10 in the AP or the college football playoff poll or whichever poll, coaches poll, whichever one you like the most, uh, that game certainly matters still. But as far as getting to the Big Ten Championship and realizing just kind of the dream, which to me, this this really was the dream of just getting to the Rose Bowl, going to Pasadena. Yeah. I mean, I've never – that does not ha- – like the Gophers don't get to the Rose Bowl. That's reserved for Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan sometimes, Penn State. This is not, you know – this is not a team that generally is going to go to the Rose Bowl. Like this would be – this would be an yeah. unbelievable scenario. Then, now, and hypothetically – if Penn State, because that's the, the one that, team that, that could Gophers beat them out for. Did beat the Pet, yeah, the Gophers beat Penn State, you know. So you'd think that they might get that edge uh, in that scenario. But they but, did uh, come out rated one spot lower than Penn State in but the playoff poll. I think it, from that perspective, uh, you know, that Northwestern loss would be a big deal, right? If uh, right, if if it comes down to like Penn State, because uh, they're gonna if, let's say they play Ohio State tough in this game. You know, maybe they maybe they get the nod, but um, again, this is I don't know a whole lot about how the bowl selection stuff works and whatnot. But uh, I think one I don't of the think anyone we, knows. I don't think anyone knows how the bowl selection. Right. I process think one works. of the things we did want to answer was just like if this team is still worth watching, and I think it definitely is, just because, like you've mentioned, the Gophers haven't been this good since I've been alive. I don't think so. I no, it's it's interesting for me. It's different. It's fun. And you it know. makes you. It makes me almost wish that I had chosen yeah. to go to Minnesota. Like almost. <laughs> I'm very, very close to, like. Well, and so, what I've been saying to my buddies a lot, and I, it's absolutely true. And if you know, the, the PJ Fleck, I don't want to say shtick, because <laughs> I think it's really who he is. And uh, props to him for just like, like, uh, just being himself, even though it's a little bit different, a little unique. Mm-hmm. But. I, I, if they were like six and five or something this year again, like it would be getting old, you know, and it'd be, it'd be, it'd be wearing off. I it'd wearing down Gophers fans, I think. So, uh, the fact that it is working out, it's way, way easier to embrace him to, for me as someone who's like a fair weather fan, uh, yeah. then, you know, if, 
if he because again he's the same person whether they are a 500 team or whether they're nine and one but it's way easier to embrace that uh that emotion uh than you know at, at nine and one than is at six and five so then it, it looks like he's got this program in the right direction obviously it's going to help a ton with recruiting so yeah and that's uh that's music to my ears i mean if this team is this good now i mean again to make this clear i never thought this even when the uh the gophers were nine and zero, i never thought that they could legitimately contend for a college football playoff but if this does truly increase you know if the gophers start getting five-star recruits which doesn't I mean, that's never happened in my lifetime. I mean, once in a while, you get a guy that's like from St. Paul, that it's been his dream his entire life because his father went to the U or something like that. That becomes a, you know, that is that decides to come to Minnesota over everywhere else in the country. That just doesn't happen. So this season could kind of reflect a significant change, even if it doesn't end the way we want it to. Um, keep in mind, by the way, Penn State does have to go to Ohio State this weekend. Um and if they lose to Ohio State, that and the Gophers get the win that we're expecting them to against the uh, 0-7 in conference Northwestern team, uh, the Gophers should jump up another spot in the college football playoff poll, and they should be in pole position to be the representative from the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. So, I think there's still a lot to look forward to. This is a very, it's a very fun team. If you if you were thinking about uh, jumping off the bandwagon um, after the Iowa game, you probably were barely even on it in the first place. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I'm I'm st- I'm still excited, and uh, you know it would be. I I remember I went to the Big Ten championship when Nebraska played against Ohio State, and Ohio State absolutely steamrolled Nebraska, and it just absolutely de- devastated my buddy who was a Nebraska fan. But just being there in that situation was a lot of fun, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, I wish that Marquette had a football team to have this type of experience, and so now I kind of get to have. Uh, sort of a, a half a half fan experience just because you know I'm from Minnesota I get to inherently cheer for the Gophers even if it isn't my college so uh, I think this is still a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Wisconsin game that should be a blast so mm-hmm. um, all right so let's uh, let's talk about some NFL football now um, like I said at the top of the show here what we're going to do for the bye week and next week, uh, next week's show will be a little bit different. We'll probably be talking about kind of more uh, bye week centric stuff. This week, it's going to be more NFL focused with from a Vikings fan perspective, right? So I want to talk about these matchups this weekend that matter for Vikings fans, which ones you should be tuning into specifically, uh, which ones you should care about other and other than just, you know, from a, I guess from a, uh, from the from a Vikings perspective, which games will influence the playoff position for the Vikings, uh, and then also some games that just might be worth watching, uh, just in general. You know, as an NFL fan, which games might be the most entertaining? I think that's probably the best approach here that we take mm-hmm. heading into Week 12 here. So, I think we have to start with the obvious one, and that's the one on Sunday Night Football. Right. Um, Green Bay is heading to Levi Stadium in San Francisco this week, which is probably the biggest matchup of the week for um, any NFC fan. Right. Yeah, I think it definitely is. Um, now, San Francisco has looked not great the past Desperate. few weeks because so they I think the Thursday night game against Arizona a few weeks ago, they narrowly escaped three point win. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they played Seattle on Monday night Lost. and that both teams looked bad in that game for what it's worth. Um, I think there was it was sloppy. Both teams were turning the ball over. Uh, 
and then uh, I think Seattle came away with that win. And then they get to play Arizona again, and they escape with another win. And Kyler Murray kind of has his way uh, in that game. And the Cardinals got off to a hot start, and it took kind of a crazy comeback uh, against the worst defense in the NFL, or one of them, for the Niners to get that, get that win. So it, the Niners are like all season long everybody's like is this team for real is this team for real is this team for real mm-hmm. to me they would solidify themselves as for real if they beat the Packers and right. then vice versa I, I kind of already think the Packers are for real and I don't think a road loss to San Francisco would really change that uh, but whether or not they're for real it doesn't matter because we are mostly just concerned with Green Bay's record uh, if that would fall to three losses this week then the Vikings would control their own destiny for that North division and potentially a first round bye. Yeah, this is um, this is a critical matchup for the Vikings, and that and part of that part of that is because the Packers don't really have much left on their schedule after this week. Um, this is true. So you got like what the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, the Vikings, Vikings the Lions, and, and the Lions. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. So. Really, the only other potential loss that I see on this schedule for Green Bay is going to Detroit in Week 17. That's the only one that has any potential because the Detroit they might not have anything to play for. Uh, Stafford might not even play the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Jeff Driscoll probably. So, right, that that, that's probably going to be a win. So, really, I'd be stunned if the Packers end up with a record worse than 12 and four. Right, and that means that the Vikings need. Uh, they need San Francisco to bring their A game this week because, like you said, and that's a very important point, if Green Bay is, does lose at Levi Stadium this weekend, the Vikings will be in position to control their own destiny. Now, that still will require a win against Seattle. That will require a win at home against Green Bay in Week 16. Um, that will be that will require the Vikings to conquer their demons and beat the Bears. A lot of things still need to happen for the Vikings to to be able to get that NFC North crown, but it's a really good start for uh, it's a really good start for them to have the 49ers come out with the victory this weekend. So when you look at this matchup specifically, I, it's hard not. Let me put it this way: I I still think Green Bay should be favored in this game. Part of that is what you were talking about with the fact that San Francisco has kind of come back down to earth the last couple of weeks, that defense was not good against Kyler Murray. And granted, he's pretty special, and he's looking more special every single week. Yeah. I think Arizona really got a good one. They got a new age contemporary quarter, uh, quarterback with uh, with Kyler Murray. But he still – he made that defense look pedestrian after they had looked, you know, ridic- 85 Bears-like for the first, what, nine weeks, ten weeks of the season – that was basically what we saw from San Francisco. And all of a sudden, Kyler Murray's moving all over him. And Aaron Rodgers is by no means Kyler Murray, but he can manipulate the pocket. And I think we've we've come to realize that San Francisco's biggest asset, like while their corners are very solid and Richard Sherman leads that charge and their safeties do a lot of very nice things, Jaquaski Tart is quietly one of the most underrated defensive backs in the NFL right now. I still that defensive line is still what de- what San Francisco needs to win football games. They need to be elite because that front four plus two, basically that they use that in a rotational basis. You know everything from Nick Bosa to the inside with DeForest Buckner. Uh, they do they have so many different things going on for them. 
But I think that Aaron Rodgers is like the kryptonite for a defensive line that plays like that because of the way he does manipulate mm-hmm. the pocket and he can extend plays and he can get out of arm tackles and he's just annoying to watch because he he's he's always finding a way to get that ball downfield. Exactly. And that's why I'm pretty – I mean, I don't want to say I'm pretty confident, but I, I am with you that I think it's a joke that the Packers are the underdogs the way they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're like get three-point underdogs even. Like they're given – you know, a score difference, uh, field goal difference. So it, I mean, the Packers have shown no signs of, of, uh, weakness the past few weeks. They're getting, I mean, Devontae Adams is back now. Um, this, they, I don't see, I don't see them losing this game to be honest. Uh, obviously I'm, I'll be rooting for San Francisco for the mm-hmm. sake for the, of the Vikings. Um, but I think this will be a really good test uh, for both, really for both teams to see where they're at. Because I think there, to some degree, somebody you know, people have doubted uh, the sort of the, who the Packers have beaten. Um, and then I think on the other side with San Francisco, a lot of people are doubting if they're for real. Uh, so both teams can kind of solidify themselves as you know what the record says it is. Um, you know, they can really prove that they are worth it. Absolutely. It's a great opportunity. It is a great opportunity for both Green Bay and San Francisco. If Green Bay wins this game, you can pretty much count the Vikings out for winning the NFC North. Something yeah, drastic. They will be a wild card team. It's almost 100% at that point. The Vikings right. will be a wild card team if uh, if Green Bay wins this game. So this is a huge matchup. And the one way, the way that I see San Francisco winning here, and I, I do, for what it's worth, I do think this is plausible by, by all means. San Francisco has proven they're a capable team. But the one way that I see them winning this game is if they make Green Bay one-dimensional, which I, it, it is possible. San Francisco can certainly slow down Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones thinks he's the best running back in the NFL, and he's been a great asset to my fantasy team. But he also has – he's had multiple games this year where he's had very little effect, where yep. he's hasn't – maybe he's because he hasn't gotten enough snaps and Jamal Williams has been on the field for more time, and part of that is because he's a better blocker and he's more of an all – he's more all-purpose. But Jones is the home run threat, and San Francisco does a really good job, you know, keeping that home run out of – you know, away from their defense. It, it simply doesn't happen that much. And the same can be really be said about Devontae Adams, too. I don't see him going over the top of Richard Sherman. And that doesn't, that's partially because Sherman's just such a smart player. And I don't think that his skills have fallen off so much that Devontae Adams, I, I just don't think that Devontae Adams could burn Richard Sherman. I think that he can complete a lot of quick catches and maybe get some yards after the catch. But I don't see Adams going over the top of Rich Sher- Richard Sherman the same way that Stephon Diggs went over Chris Harris this past week. I just don't see that happening. So San Francisco's defense can hold this offense, but they need to get to Aaron Rodgers, and they need to make Aaron Jones a non-factor. Both of those things are possible, but that that, that is what see, needs to happen here. See, I think I look at this game differently than you because I'm not as worried about the Niners' defense against Green Bay. It's like Green Bay's offense has not been that special to me. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers, still have Aaron Rodgers, I mean, but, you yeah. know how I feel about Rodgers, but like, right. I, I don't, I don't think of him as in that upper echelon of quarterbacks anymore. Uh, like, I mean, he's in the MVP race because his team is eight and two, but uh, you know, he he's taken a step back. Like, he he's there's he's not that 2011, 2012 Aaron Rodgers anymore. And on the flip side, my concern in terms of you know when I I want the Niners to win this game, obviously because of the playoff implications. I don't think I trust Jimmy G. That's, that's kind of my thing. And I think the Packers defense, I still am on the, 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 I'm of the, the opinion that they're still underrated. 
Jimmy G hasn't quite given me enough to you know buy into him yet. I'm with so, you on that for sure. And now they're they're the receiving core is kind of unique in that there's a lot of guys that maybe aren't household names, but they're they super all athletic. In weird ways. Yeah, they're super athletic. Um, so you know, and obviously George Kittle is a tough guy to handle too. If uh, he that's plays. a good name. Yeah, but he also might not be healthy. So right, it's I I need to see Jimmy G win a game like kind of on his own. Like I mean, if you wanted to compare it to Kirk for the whole season, if you hadn't bought into Kirk yet this week probably is that game because he sort of won that game by himself. Like he put the team on his back, won the game. I don't know if Jimmy G did that. I mean, he put up big numbers against the Cardinals. Yeah. But a the Cardinals and B, uh, there were some mistakes made down the stretch there too. And he had like, I think the, they had a couple screen passes that were like short passes where the yards after catch from the receivers were big too. So I just don't see it from Jimmy G and that Seattle game, that Seattle game was, was awful. Yep. So I, I, that's my, that's my biggest doubt is that side of the ball versus what you're talking about with uh, the Niners' defense against the Packers' offense. That's a, that's certainly a problem that we have doubts on both sides of the ball because I can't deny any of the claims that you're making either. Uh, but certainly it'll be a thrilling game. That one's uh, that's the Sunday night game, uh, so everyone in the everyone in the country will be watching. But I think that Vikings fans will probably be watching with a more careful eye. Uh, there are some other great games on too. So if you are someone um, who has the uh, who is has the ability to watch every single game. I don't care how you're doing that, whether you're doing it by um, legal or illegal means. Uh, there are there are <laughs> there are a couple of other great matchups here, and really there's a good slate for Vikings fans uh, beginning at 12 all the way to that Sunday night game. So for the noon games, there's two for me that have significant playoff, uh, playoff implications for the Vikings, and I think two games that you should be keeping an eye on as a fan. Uh, that's Carolina at New Orleans, which could get out of hand quick, but keep in mind it is an NFC South matchup, so you never really know with those division games. They are a bit of a toss-up, and New Orleans is only one week removed from losing to the Falcons, who, for what it's worth, do look a little bit better the last couple of weeks here. But um, I digress. The other one here is Seattle goes to Philadelphia, uh, which is, as we were talking about before the show, that's a toss-up in the, in the sports book right now. So that one could really go either way, too. Seattle... Uh, that game, of course, will have wild card implications uh, depending on what happens in this Green Bay San Francisco game. Uh, the Seahawks are obviously still trying to catch the 49ers. So, they're honestly, Seahawks fans are probably pretty interested in that game as well. And Philadelphia. Seattle, in theory, now, I'm, I'm trying to think, maybe I don't, I don't know this off the top of my head, but who would be the number one seed, let's say, if Niners lose to Green Bay and then Seattle wins against Philly? Does Seattle become the number one seed? I think Green because Bay they would is. they would have the tiebreaker over San Fran, I believe, at that point. It would be I, they would have so they have the tiebreaker over the Fortnite. I'm looking at the 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 playoffs okay. picture right now. So Seattle would move to nine and two. San Francisco would also drop to nine and two. Green Bay would be nine and two, and that's why the New Orleans Saints game also matters because they could also move. To oh, nine they and could two. also be. Yeah, that's a good so point. So you'd <laughs> have you'd have a 400 monster there at, at nine and two at the top to, if those two games worked out the way that we're talking about now. Uh, I believe that the Packers would be on top. Okay. Because they have the strongest strength of victory at 518, which is okay. honestly pretty ridiculous. Also looking at, uh, yeah, because they both, both the Seattle and Green Bay would have a conference record of six or six and one at mm-hmm. that point. So then it'd go to strength of victory, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess I don't know. I'm not looking at the numbers there, but but yeah, that'd be. And I don't think any of us want the NFC to go through Lambeau. Yep. I, and I, I would rather they doesn't go through Seattle either. To be honest with you. 
uh, that's certainly not an easy place to play either. If if I had to pick somewhere to play, it might be New Orleans or because of familiarity. But San Francisco is definitely up there. But then Dallas, just because the Vikings have already gone well, in that, there and proved it. And that's that's again that's why that that's why this Philadelphia game is important, the Seattle versus Philadelphia game, because if Philadelphia wins here, Dallas has also got a tough for, tougher game. They're playing at the three o'clock game. That's my recommendation for Vikings fans um, to check out at three o'clock. They've got New England, so Philadelphia wins against Seattle, which is possible. Um, I, I personally, you know, we'll get to our picks in a, a couple minutes here, but I personally see Seattle winning that game, and I. I am I'm going to take Dallas against New England, but I think a lot of people would say that New England's going to win that game. So this week, it's funny because the Vikings aren't playing, but this week can really shuffle the NFC. It seems like we know which six teams are going to make the playoffs. I yeah. tend to believe that the Rams are out of it. Uh, they play on uh, Monday night against Baltimore, which should solidify that take in my opinion. But this, the six teams are could all they can all shuffle throughout here, and this week we might look back in a, you know in a few months and be like, okay, it was week twelve that really shifted the power, and that's you know entirely dependent on San Francisco and Green Bay as well as Seattle against Philadelphia, uh, and then you could also throw in Dallas at New England, which is your three twenty five watch game uh, because of how yeah. that could affect the NFC as well. If you're right in that, I mean, if you're right and Dallas ends up beating New England. Uh, that would essentially – I don't know what the schedules look like, but, I mean, you're talking about – that's a thats a clincher in the NFC East right there. And then – Especially if Seattle is uh, able to beat Philadelphia. Right. And then that makes the Vikings-Seahawks Monday night game just massive because you're going to want to play Dallas versus playing New Orleans, playing San Francisco or Green Bay or whoever it would be uh, as a three seed. You're going to want to play the four seed NFC East champion Cowboys. All right. So I think we've, I think we've gone through uh, – these are, those are the games. Now, I want to go through each of these individually and rank kind of – well, not rank, but uh, talk about the importance of each of these games. Uh, we'll do a scale of 1 to 10, and we'll start with that Green Bay-San Francisco game. 10. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty clear 10, right? Uh, the next one of uh, – you know, in level of importance, in my opinion, is that Seattle against Philadelphia game. Where does that one rank on your on – your... I think uh... – uh, eight and a half. I mean, I think either way, the Seattle game is going to be super important for because that uh, that technically wild card impl- implications that has wild card implications for the Vikings. So if between the five and the six seed, but it also has NFC East implications, which I think I think we've made this clear already that Philadelphia and Dallas are the weakest link in the NFC right now. Yeah. one of those two teams. So you can go to Philadelphia, which the Vikings obviously do not have a great history there. The last couple of years, they did win. Most recently, but so the did. Vikings have beaten Dallas and Philly at their places, right. you know, this year and last year. So, but they uh, they do have I'm, that playoff bust against Philadelphia, which kind of is a hangover for. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I think more about the playoff loss than I think about the two wins against Philadelphia the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I fair. I so mean, I would I would say. I would still say that that game's like a nine because I think I would rather travel to Philadelphia because their wide receivers are trash and the Vikings weakest part of their defense or the weakest part of their entire team really is their defensive backs. I trust, I mean, who do you trust Xavier Rhodes to cover more Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey slash Nelson Aguilar? I think that answer is pretty clear cut right now. So Philadelphia can get that win against Seattle. Not only do they, 
kind of they shove Seattle to the side and, like you said, make that Monday night game against Seattle next week more important. But they also hurt Dallas's playoff chances as well, and I would much rather face Philadelphia in the postseason at Lincoln Financial than go down to Jerry's World in Dallas. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that one as a nine, uh, and the last one here on the docket is Carolina against New Orleans. Who, um, like I said, this game is not necessarily as important to Vikings fans, but I do think this should be in your rotation at noon because it's I think it'll be a good game. I don't. This is a this is the opportunity for Kyle Allen to kind of get some get something back after that wreck of a performance last week. And if New Orleans lose, all of a sudden loses, they all of a sudden might fall out of that bye week conversation. Well, they'll still be in the bye week conversation, but less so than they were last yeah. week. Um, so this so, one this one kind of I, ranks high too because this would also this would also theoretically eliminate Carolina from the conversation and boost the Vikings playoff percentage. You know, if you look at five thirty eight next week and Carolina loses, the Vikings should be at like ninety six percent if Los Angeles they and already, Carolina I think they're already at that. Well I mean, that'll go up even that, further. But, it'll go up to like yeah. ninety eight. I mean here's I don't see this one as very not it's, it's not important, but you got a Carolina team that I, I just don't see Kyle Allen going very far, um, and their defense is not great. So I this might be like a six, just yeah, because that's where I'm at too. That sounds about right. Five, maybe even less, just because Saints are going to win this game. It's at home. Uh, I don't see this being that close. So uh, if I may, you know, if you're again, we're talking about NFC playoff games and whatnot, but. I really like the a different matchup. It's of AS, AFC teams, Denver and Buffalo. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch in terms of pure entertainment. Really? Now, Those are I two do. of the most l- – I do. Like, oh, man. I do. I, I, I'm very confident it's going to be a close game. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Now, that, that doesn't mean it won't be – it'll be the highest quality of football. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be a close game um, and one that uh, I think will go down to the wire. And you'll see some, like – You'll see some. It'll in terms of yeah, entertainment wise, it's going to be good because it'll be close, and you'll see some weird plays at the end of the game. The last one here that I would keep an eye on that I've mentioned a couple times: Dallas, New England. I think that falls into a even lower category than the Carolina, New Orleans one, somewhere around a four or five. Uh, but that is your. That's probably your three o'clock watch. There is only two three o'clock games on this week, for what it's worth. Not great scheduling by the NFL. I don't know why they ever only have two three o'clock games, and then you know a slate of like ten of them at noon. What's they that? force America to watch the Cowboys every single week. Yeah, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Yeah, which I like. I like Buck, but I don't like Aikman. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. So uh, that is your TV scheduling for the, this upcoming weekend, and we'll finish up here with a quick uh, run through of our picks. Finish and then uh, a gambling lock of the week as well. So we've already mentioned a lot of these games. One of them that we haven't mentioned is Houston. Uh, they've got Indianapolis coming to town. Houston's coming off of the worst uh, the worst loss of Deshaun Watson's football life. Uh, he has never played that poorly. Uh, I think that Indianapolis is, should probably ex- be expecting you know him to come out in a rage. Uh, it's sort of a gut check moment for Deshaun Watson. He hasn't had one of these yet, but I think he's always been sort of groomed to be that type of guy who can stare into diver- uh, adversity and turn you know turn out a great performance. Who you got in this one? I got Sean and the Texans. Um, he's yeah, they're not going to play that badly two weeks in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. And he, I think Indianapolis is kind of coming off a bit of a fluky performance. They also probably will not have Marlon Mack this week, so something to keep in mind. Next one here: Tampa Bay at Atlanta, another NFC matchup, one that we didn't talk about, and for good reason. Uh, two teams that are falling apart. Well, they have already fallen apart or are currently falling apart. Uh, you can kind of pick which one you think those are. Uh, Bruce Arians heads down to Atlanta. Who you got? 
I'm going with Atlanta, uh, but I don't really care who wins this game at all. Um, I'll pick Atlanta just because they recently beat New Orleans at New Orleans. So I'm also t- picking Atlanta, and I meant to say up to Atlanta, I suppose. Uh, I'm taking Atlanta just because they, they look like the team that I thought Atlanta was straight up. And, ta- and Tampa Bay's secondary is garbage, so I, I'm expecting you know a 30-point fantasy performance from Julio Jones this week. He might actually score. It's possible. So might. You might. Uh, the next one is your favorite game of the week, Denver at Buffalo. Uh, some of the most reckless fans <laughs> in the NFL. By the way, Buffalo tickets right now, if you're if you're interested, Buffalo tickets are still the low the the you can get a Buffalo ticket right now for twenty one bucks for that playoff team right there. Uh, they play against the Denver Broncos. Uh, playoff defense team. yeah, defense versus defense right there. Who you got? I'm going Denver in this game. Uh, now You'll hear from me in the lock of the week with this game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel very good about Denver uh, this week because, like, the defenses the Bills have played this year, it's been like the Patriots, and then you get really nothing else. And so they're finally going to play another defense that's worth something this week. And I think it's going to be it, – it's you're going to notice down the field with that Bills offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Buffalo. I don't know why I'm taking Buffalo. Um, ultimately, I trust Josh Allen a little bit more then I trust uh, Mr. Allen out there in Denver. So, well, it's an Allen on Allen. I didn't even realize that. We got yeah. an all-Allen matchup. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Buffalo. That's what I'm going with. Um, I will not be watching that game. I don't care about that game. I will watch the last two minutes on Red Zone. Uh, the next one here, New York Giants. They're traveling to Chicago. Uh, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago looks hilarious. I'm having a great time with their pain. Uh, and uh, Danny Dimes. They're scoring like five points a week. Yeah. And they're <laughs> – Coach won't change anything. Like it's so bad. It's, oh. It is really Who bad. Who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen this regression coming from Mitch Trubisky? Maybe uh, all of us. Certainly not us. Actually, yeah. yes, all of us. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, I'm picking the Giants in this game just because it's mostly a, a rooting interest one. I just really want to see the Bears lose more. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, I, I don't know why I would take the Bears because it really seems to make sense for new. Like I could see the Giants scoring more points against the Bears defense then Chicago can score against the Giants awful yeah, defense. Exactly. But I'm still gonna go I'm still gonna go Chicago. I guess I'll I'll do that to try to get uh back. I set the over under for Bears points for I don't know what the total is. Oh that's points, a gr- that's a good one too. You could go the that's, under that's in- probably at, I mean, because that that's a I bet I bet that's set pretty high just because of the Giants defense, but I, I mean I don't know how I, when's the last time the Bears have scored like twenty points. I don't even know. Yeah it's been a while. I kinda wanna look that up. Uh, next one here, an but, AFC matchup, Pitt against Cincinnati. I think this is probably the Bengals' uh, best shot to get a win this season. Uh, I'm going Pitt, but, uh, you know, this could be a game that the Bengals could steal. It's Isn't it weird that the Steelers are still, like, very much in the playoff race in the AFC? And yet they're very, very bad. Mason Rudolph is garbage, and that's why I'm going with Cincinnati. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that Cincinnati is going to get their one win right now this how about, week. How about this? Quarterback matchup: Mason Rudolph, Ryan Finley. Mm-hmm. This is what everybody wanted. Couple when they guys saw the schedule. Couple guys that are gonna be sitting on their couch in what, probably two years, something like that. Seems about right. Probably. Unless Ryan, unless Ryan Finley really turns a corner. My, Mason Rudolph, Rudolph has already fallen off a cliff. So, all right, next one here: Miami against Cleveland. Cleveland is on the back end of their schedule. They're playing a bunch of awful opponents. Uh, they're looking to make a run, so they will have an eye on that pass game that we just talked about. Uh, who we got in this one? Uh, I got Cleveland. They're going to get to five and six. They're going to use that, that schedule to squeak their way back into the playoff picture. 
and they're ultimately going to barely miss the playoffs, but then Freddie Kitchen's going to keep his job because of it. <laughs> that sounds about right. I'm taking Cleveland, too, although I do think it's worth noting that Devontae Parker, man, I think he's turned a corner. He's looking really legit. I think he had over 150 yards. I think he's always talented. Yeah, but he's, think... he's, like, legit now. Like, he's, like, he's a fantasy option. I start him right now. Part of that is because my wide receivers are a viable it, dolphin. Yeah, it's weird, man. I'm taking Cleveland regardless, though. Carolina at New Orleans. That's the next one up here. Who you got in that one? Uh, New Orleans. There's no way they lose two duds at home in the same year, right? Yeah. Uh, I've been saying it for how many weeks now that Kyle Allen is trash, and it's finally coming to uh, – It's he's finally come back down to earth. It did last week. It definitely showed last week. Yeah, it certainly did. I'm going New Orleans as well. Uh, Oakland at the New York Jets. Oakland, as you said before uh, we started the show, they've got a chance to be up into seven wins on the season. Who could have seen yeah, that coming? Be, they're going to be seven and four. They're going to be seven and four, which is interesting. I uh, definitely didn't see that. How about that for, uh, you know, when the Vikings beat the Raiders week three, we didn't think that'd be a quality win looking back at it, but it, it, it appears to be one if they get to seven and four for sure. Imagine if they had, if Antonio Brown hadn't lost his marbles and he, he was still there. I think this team would be like they'd be worse. They'd be worse. You think they'd so? be worse with him if he was himself. Like if he like Well, if he hadn't lost like, his marbles, I'm saying. Was, if he was the if quiet guy. About a sane, like a sane like <laughs> a sane controlled like normal Antonio Brown, then yeah, they'd be better. But Antonio Brown in his state of mind, they 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 would be bad. Yeah. All right, he, so he would have lost everything there <laughs> all right so we're both going oakland there next one here is the seattle philadelphia matchup that we talked about in depth already um who you got in this one i got seattle um that eagles offense now granted they're playing new england last week but they just there's no there's no receivers man and now it's for, it's up to Wentz to just force it to one of the tight ends and uh you can only do that for so much uh so many snaps so i'll take seattle I'm going to take Philadelphia, and part of that is because I'm rooting for parity, as we've already talked about. Uh, and the other part of that is because, like you said, they don't have receivers in Philadelphia, but outside of Sh- uh, outside of Shaquille Griffin, uh, they don't really have much of a secondary in Seattle. So, this is a good point. Uh, a good point. See, but on the other side, the, sec- the Eagle secondary is not great, and Russell Wilson is heavy very, in He's very great. This, is, that, uh, that could be, this, this could be a shootout. Yeah, this could. Maybe look at the over for that one. Uh, next one up here is Detroit at Washington. I feel like that's probably an obvious pick, right? Oh, I'm going Washington. What? I guess. Going the, Washington. Okay. Okay. I'm going with Detroit. Going Washington. Why are you? You've Washington done this twice in a row now. Why? I picked Washington way too many times this year because I picked them earlier in the year too to yeah. think they beat the Bears. That didn't work out. But yeah. just, just let me, just, just let me. Not okay. learn my lesson. Right? All right, I'm moving. I'm going with Detroit. Uh, next one here, Jacksonville at your Tennessee Titans. Who you got in that one? My Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. I'm picking the Titans. Um, they're gonna they're gonna make this AFC South interesting because <laughs> one of them, one of the other contenders, is for sure gonna lose tomorrow night, right? Either Houston or Indianapolis. And uh, he, the the Titans do play Houston two more times this year yet. And so playing Jacksonville Houston ends up. Who can also make the AFC South interesting? By the way. They're still in it, even though they had that you're not, kind of you're critical. Not, you're not loss. Oh you? yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Tennessee's gonna Tennessee's gonna lose this game. I'm taking Jacksonville. Nick Foles is bringing out the uh, the big swinger this weekend. Uh, he's, he's gonna he's gonna score great. some points. He looked really good right. on the first drive, though. Got to give him that. Eh. Got to give him the first drive. So if you can that. replicate yeah, we, that, we, for we know years. as Vikings fans after watching the 2017 NFC Championship how much that first drive matters. <laughs> now and now Nick Foles does too. Uh, next one is Dallas at New England. We already talked about this one a little bit too. Uh, who you got in this one? 
going to New England. Uh, if this was in Dallas, I might take Dallas, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, until further notice, I'm picking the Patriots at home. So I'm taking Dallas, and here's my thinking: uh, Tom Brady. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna bet against Tom Brady, but he has certainly fallen off a little bit. That offense does not look good at all. It's I, not. It's not really good. Uh, I'm I'm picking the Patriots on the basis of their defense more than more yeah. than. Uh, Brady's ability to light up the Cowboys by any means. This is a true test for Dak Prescott. If he lights it up, he's very much in the MVP conversation, especially with you know a couple of matchups here. With you know, for example, if Russell Wilson has a bad day in Philly, all of a sudden Dak Prescott could be a riser in that MVP conversation. Yeah, oh yeah, and get a win against New England in Foxborough, by the way. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. We already talked about this one. Who are you going with? Green Bay. Green uh, Bay. I just I I'm, I don't trust Jimmy G enough to win this type of game. I'm going to take San Francisco. Um, I think that that's a parody pick for me as well. It's a real, it's a real toss-up. Uh, the, the game itself, because there's so many, there's so many factors that can influence this game. If Aaron Rodgers comes out and lights it up, it's over, because that that San Francisco needs his defense to play well. But at the same time, if Jimmy if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and plays average, just average, that's really all he needs to do with that defense that he's playing with. Uh, I think that San Francisco can move on here and kind of solidify themselves as a bye week team. So. I'm taking San Fran. Drew's got Green Bay. Baltimore at Los Angeles. Rams. Lamar Jackson continues moving forward in his MVP campaign with his campaign manager, Mark Ingram. Uh, who you got in this yeah. one? Uh, I'm taking Baltimore. And it, the Rams just uh, – something's up, man. Like, they're they're, they're completely different. Uh, they scored less than 20 points five times this year. No, is that right? What, four times this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, they can't. They scored 12 and they scored 17 in the last two weeks, and uh, that game against the Steelers was just awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's up with that offense, and it feels like Baltimore defense is not an easy fix for that. So I'm going to go with the Rams, or excuse me, the Ravens. I'm also going with the Ravens. That Sean McVay fad, by the way, not really working out that well. Zach Taylor hasn't won a game yet. Uh, Matt LaFleur is the masterpiece, but he had a great team to work with in Green Bay as it is. Well, I don't isn't know. It like, so uh, it seems like these, these not gimmicks, but like new trends, new things, new uh, coaches, whatever it is. Like, it seems like there's always like a honeymoon phase of it all working out, mm-hmm. things going well. Matt Nagy last year. Um, you know, Doug, Peter, Doug Peterson had the great year. Uh, but then it seems like teams quickly figure that stuff out. And then when they're forced to adjust is kind of when, you know, things go, things go wrong. And, and it seems like, like I was watching that Rams game against the bears. And it, I mean, again, it is the bears defense, but mm-hmm. yeah, and the Steelers game as well, but it, it just seemed like such an accomplishment for them to get a first down, you know? Yeah. And you know, you're not, you're not used to seeing that from the Rams. Uh, so uh, it, I don't know something's different. I'm taking the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird, man. Uh, the, that, and that's a funny thing that you pointed out that, it, it makes it that much. It makes that much. It makes that that much crazier. The longevity that Sean Payton has had calling mm-hmm. offense. By the way, just yeah. think about that. He has been great since I think two thousand six. Andy Reid too. Andy Reid too. Yeah, wherever he goes, it's pretty incredible that they're able to adjust when seemingly every other offensive guru. I'm throwing that up with uh, air quotes. Uh, is unable to do so. Uh, to, get to, to catch you up on where we're at cumulatively, uh, I stand at eight games behind Drew. I'm 95-66-1, which is still a really good record, by the way. And Drew is 103-58-1 on the year. 
uh, I think we're actually calling pretty well here. We, I went 11 and three last week. First time I beat Drew all we all year. He went 10 and four, uh, so I got one game back. Uh, so that's where we stand, and we'll finish up the show with our gambling lock of the week. Who you got? I got Denver plus four because if you look at their schedule, I think we talked about this when they or during the Broncos preview. Uh, they don't lose games by a lot of points, mm-hmm. and that's true. You know, they have a bunch of games where they've lost by two points. Um, they obviously lost to the Vikings by four. Uh, so I think worst case scenario, they lose this game by a small margin. But I really think they can go into Buffalo and win, which is why, obviously, I picked them. I like your rationale behind that one. That seems like a good pick. I'm going Baltimore minus three. Three points just doesn't seem like enough to give, the, you know, to give the Rams – for given that they're the Rams and the way that they have played. So I think Ravens minus three is a nice pick. Now I say that uh, to you being that we have missed combined cumulatively our last six picks together over the last three weeks. So six, we are on a slow quote streak. unquote locks of the week. Yeah. Our locks of the week are not very lock lock. They're not very lock. <laughs> <laughs> not very true lock. Yeah. I've only gotten four good. right this year. So I'm having a rough year with my gambling picks. It's probably a good thing that I'm not putting too much money on these things. All right, so that wraps up the show. Um, As always, you can find us on Daily Norseman now. Uh, We're on the Climbing the Pocket Network. Make sure to check out all the other shows uh, that are available on that network. If you don't like us, you'll probably like someone um, within that network. There's a lot of uh, nice names out there that uh, do excellent shows. Um, You can always find us on iTunes, of course. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the show there. Uh, give us a review if you've got the time. Five stars is nice. Something else, uh, we're happy. We all we like the criticism. Uh, feel free to leave a comment uh, in the Daily Norseman section below or um, reach out to us on Twitter if you have something that you'd like to say to us. Uh, we always have some fun with that. That's at unbelievable underscore MN. Um, and, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening to the show. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this uh, playoff picture becomes a little bit more clear um, heading into this crazy Monday night matchup with between the Vikings and Seattle that I believe we'll probably begin talking about next Tuesday. Thanks guys. Oh.